This is ESPN Chicago, WNVP, WSHE, HD2 Chicago, a good karma brand's radio station. White Sox Weekly, your all-access pass to everything White Sox. Drive in the air, deep to right, it is gone! This is a presentation of the ESPN 1000 Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. Now here's your host, Connor McKnight. Good afternoon and welcome in to White Sox Weekly here on ESPN 1000. I am Connor McKnight. Sox fans, 2024 ticket plans are available right now. Be here for the biggest matchups and exciting new promotions throughout the season, including opening day on March 28th. Our ticket plans include great benefits such as a ticket exchange program, special events, savings on single games, and more. For more information, visit WhiteSox.com slash 2024. That's WhiteSox.com slash 2024. We had a lot to get to this afternoon. Chris Getz, White Sox general manager, just the other day had a press conference with White Sox beat reporters, and you may have heard some of what Getz had to say about the state of the team here in 2024, but I doubt you've heard all of it. So we're going to walk you through the big-time bullet points. There's a lot that gets talked about, including, I think, one of the more intriguing conversations about Garrett Crochet that got talked about just the other day. So we'll talk about that. Uh, you'll hear that audio. And, of course, your chance to, to kind of question and, and wonder and think about this team going forward. 312-332-3776. That's the phone number here on the show. If at any point, whatever uh, Chris is talking about, gets you thinking about where this White Sox team is headed or what you think they ought to do, give us a ring. We'll talk White Sox baseball with you. There's a lot of other headlines as well concerning the White Sox. It's funny. This is you know, kind of usually a, a down week in baseball. You do have a couple of signings. Uh, Jordan Hicks has got a four-year deal with the Giants, and Shota Imanaga signs with the Cubs, and it sounds like Blake Snell could be close or has an offer from the Yankees. Last year's NL Cy Young winner. Um, But while we wait for, you know, all the signings, more signings to happen. It has kind of felt like a somewhat slow offseason, baseball-wide, right? I mean, you had the, the Shohei stuff and the Yamamoto stuff, obviously entertaining. But in terms of you know spreading your baseball attention around, that got focused on just the Dodgers, which, you know, fine, no shade to the Dodgers. You spend your money, that's great. But the White Sox have actually generated a couple of different headlines, like so many things that I, I hope we can get to all of them and the Chris Getz conversation that he had with White Sox beat reporters and do them all justice. I mean, for instance, a couple of things that we'll probably have to talk about in next week's show, uh, the international signing period starts on Monday. Uh, The hitters summit for the White Sox starts next week in Arizona, I believe on Monday as well. So maybe next Saturday we're playing catch up a little bit on some of those headlines, but wanted to make it known that those two things are popping around here come Monday, the Hitters Summit for the White Sox and, of course, the start of international signing. And you can find reports on, on you know, obviously the international signing period is one of those that is go undergoing change but largely has some of those prospects connected to their teams already. It's a it's a little bit like the NFL free agency, you know, you, or the NBA free agency. You, you know these guys are going to sign their deals. These trades are going to happen. They just can't announce it until after free agency starts or after, you know, if it's a draft day trade or something like that, you've got to, you know the trade, and then three weeks later it gets made official or whatever that is. It's kind of like that. But we'll see, I think, some interesting things pop up on Monday, too. Uh, the White Sox have 
added two players to the roster, both on minor league signings. So let's talk about those guys real quickly here before we get into some of the Chris Guest conversation. Uh, and we'll start that with the Dylan Cease situation as it stands at least a couple of days ago. Uh, but the first minor league guy that I want to talk about is Rafael Ortega. The White Sox signed him to a minor league contract last week. It first popped on the MLB.com transaction log and then uh, insta about it. Instagrammed about it. I'm not sure how to verb that one. Uh, fourth straight season and eighth year overall where uh, Ortega has kind of been working in and out of the major leagues. Last year played in 47 games with the Mets. 2021 and 2022, you may remember he plied his trade for the Cubs in his age 30 and 31 season. Actually hit really well in 2021 at an OPS plus of 121. High average, high on base, uh, fair slugging percentage. A 291 hitter with a 360 on base and a 463 slug in 2021. Hit himself 11 home runs in 103 games played. Uh, he is an outfielder by trade, a guy who can play a little bit, I think, of, of every position, probably less so center field and probably more in the corners. It's been a bit since he's played a ton in center, but he did get 25 games in center field for the Mets last season. The, uh, the stick last year... Like I said, didn't get a whole lot of playing time with the Mets, but he hit 219 with a 341 on base and a 272 slugging percentage. That's just in 47 games of work. The plus here is a bat-to-ball skill. Uh, the plus here is a pretty decent eye at the plate, given uh, some of the on-base percentages that he's got, and hopefully some good defense out there in the corners, um, and perhaps spelling some in center field. But where, and I'm not saying at the major league level necessarily, but where Ortega makes the most sense is as the White Sox continue to add depth in that outfield, particularly looking for starting right fielders. Um, it'll be really interesting to see what gets returned to the White Sox in any future trades that go on, obviously. But also, uh, it looks like there's a whole lot of competition for guys to be perhaps a starting right fielder or that fourth outfielder or in that platoon mix through spring training and into opening day. One of the things, and I'll, I'll tease this out here already, uh, one of the things that Chris Getz is going to talk about here later on in the show is the fact that the right field job is open uh, the way he sees it. He's got internal candidates, you know, guys like Gavin Sheets uh, that have played there before, Oscar Colas as well, though I think less so given the way things ended last season. Um, but the position, it sounds like, the the at-bats are open uh, for guys to battle for. So Rafael Ortega could be one of those to battle for that position. The White Sox also signed a right-hander, Jake Woodford, uh, Robert Murray of Fansided had that first, it sounded like. Woodford is 27 years old. He spent his entire career with the St. Louis Cardinals organization. He was drafted in the first round in 2015, six foot four, 215. Last year, through a total of 47 and two-thirds innings, eight starts, um, and one out of the bullpen, it looks like. A couple of games out of the bullpen in 2022. Guys bounced around uh, in terms of starter and reliever a little bit. Last year got clubbed, though. 623 ERA in 47 and two-thirds. The home runs were a 
big, big problem for Woodford, and that's what the White Sox will look to work him back away from, is giving up the long ball. 11 home runs in 47 and two-thirds innings for Jake Woodford. Still, former first-rounder, um, drafted, like I said, in 2015, non-tendered in November. Um, and like I said, the, the home run ball was big. The strikeout rate dropped as well. So it kind of seemed like it's one of those situations where you've got a guy with some decent stuff, kind of loses whatever it is that, that helps key command for him. Um, and then in order to get back into the zone, perhaps you got to take a little off or shape that breaking ball a little bit differently. And unfortunately, that stays perhaps in the strike zone a little bit longer and leads to more home runs. I mean, that's just a thousand foot view of this thing. But as the White Sox continue um, to add in arms that have major league experience to the bullpen, Jake Woodford could be a guy uh, that they're able to throw in a few innings or perhaps let battle for a start or let battle for a bullpen spot out of spring training and soak up some of those innings. It is a largely inexperienced White Sox bullpen at this point, given the trades that were made last season. And yes, they've signed a veteran like Tim Hill and Gregory Santos will be coming back from his technically rookie season though he pitched in some parts of seasons with the San Francisco Giants. But with, with Garrett Crochet, like we talked about at the start of the show, ticketed to begin this year as a starter and work as a starter in the minor leagues. And then, you know, at, at some point, who knows when, we'll, we'll hear more from Chris Getz about it later on in the show, uh, maybe make a start or two at the major league level. That would be a big push for Garrett Crochet to get there. So that's one of your more veteran relief arms that are out, that is rather out of the mix. So Jake Woodford has been added into the mix on a minor league signing. So Chris Getz spoke with reporters just the other day. And in so doing, the conversation started where our conversation has started on White Sox Weekly here for weeks, right? It's it's about Dylan Cease, and it's about that guy, that trade conversation, that marketplace as much as anything else. So let's kick things off here. Some of the latest from White Sox general manager on the state of the team, the state of the trade market, the state of Dylan Cease trade conversations uh, as of just a, a few days ago. I think, you know, certainly going into the offseason um, with uh, – they're trying to, to certainly get our, our club in a much better place than, than where it's been here recently. We had to be open-minded with um, perhaps making some, some trades. Uh, obviously, we had the Aaron Bummer deal, um, was able to trade for Max Stassi, um, and ha- have been you know open-minded uh, with other players on the roster because I felt like that was the right thing to do. We, we've had conversations about Dylan Cease, but I also know that you know, we're not going to to move a player like Dylan or anyone else unless we feel like uh, we're going to benefit. Um, so it's got to be the, a right fit for for certainly all parties. Um, you know, a lot of these conversations are ongoing. Um, there's a lot that goes into any sort of trade transaction. There's a lot of uh, conversations, build up, research, and obviously getting it to the finish line. And you know, as part of the off season, we'll continue to do that to find ways to get our club better. So a couple of things in there that I think obviously kind of strike his headline sort of stuff. He's clearly talking about having had conversations with other teams about Dylan Cease, something that was well-known, but nice to hear him say it, as opposed to, no, I'd rather do that than have the you know the roundabout conversation of a hypothetical trade about a hypothetical player who might hypothetically start for the White Sox. So that's cool to know. We've heard you know in the last couple of days 
the conversation or rumor mill kind of churn a bit. The Yankees, uh, having signed Marcus Stroman, former Cub, former Met, now a Yankee to their rotation, may still be looking for arms. As I mentioned earlier in the show, there's a headline out. I think it's Ken Rosenthal who had the report first, and if not, I'll make sure I fix that up. But um, that the Yankees has have prepared an offer for Blake Snell. They've got some meetings going on in Florida and could still be interested in Dylan Cease. That's been the reporting um, from New York here over the last couple of days, I would say. Uh, the Orioles continue to be a name that gets closely associated with uh, the White Sox and Dylan Cease in that conversation. We've talked ad nauseum about the Orioles and their plethora of minor league talent and an ability to trade for really any impact arm that they'd want. If they wanted to trade for one, there seems to be some reticence in doing that from the Orioles. Not entirely sure why. Well, I guess the reason why would be to keep as many minor leaguers or, or, or I guess minor league prospects on the roster as possible. But yeah, I'd, I'd like to see them trade for a big-time arm if you're just talking about, uh, you know, from the Orioles' perspective, wanting to win some ball games. Either way, um, having talked about that willingness to – you know, can I have conversations about other players? That's an interesting headline as well for me. I, I would imagine that that open-mindedness, a word that Chris gets used a couple of times in that particular cut, isn't something that ends anytime soon. We've got, you know, a couple of weeks. What is it, January 13th today? So a month, almost exactly, until pitchers and catchers report for most teams. It's 13th, 14th, 15th, something like that every year. You know that. And then spring training gets started shortly after that, about two weeks later. So call it six weeks to spring training, maybe just a little bit under. We have seen in the past couple of years big free agent signings and big trades uh, right up to the end, or rather uh, the beginning of spring training and even into spring training. So I wouldn't be surprised to see that trend continue. And I'm not talking just for the White Sox. I'm talking about all around baseball as well. Now, one of the follow-up questions that got asked to Chris Getz about the Dylan Cease conversations that he's been having is whether or not the free agent pitching market, which has changed some since his question asked, Marcus Stroman having signed with the Yankees being the latest thing, uh, whether that free agent market impacts a potential Cease trade and the, the heat around those conversations. Here's Getz. You know, it's tough to tell when it comes to um, whether it be a cease market or anyone, any other, uh, you know, player, uh, players market. You know, there's it, we're certainly not operating in a vacuum. Um, you know, some teams, you know, have a little bit more financial flexibility than others. All it takes is one team to want to jump out perhaps and, and get a deal done. And, um, you know, in, in the case of Dylan, um, I don't think that there's a club out there. Uh, that hasn't expressed some level of interest in him, um, and all of their situations are different. Um, so, you know, when you bring up some of these higher-profile players and the impact that it may have on on Dylan or others, um, yeah, I think that, that that it applies to some, but not all. Um, and you know, you know, every organization has different types of players. Those players, how do they apply to your club? Those are all different factors that go into making a decision. If we feel like there's a there's a fit that improves our club, um, it will, we'll certainly uh, strongly consider it. Certainly that hasn't happened at this point. I'm guessing a little bit here, but when Getz talks about some players affecting that trade conversation and others not, I would kind of put this in into, I mean, you can make the direct parallel to what the Yankees have been up to right now, right? You've got Marcus Stroman signing with the Yankees, and you've got them potentially talking about Blake Snell 
as a free agent addition. Adding Marcus Stroman, to me, wouldn't take the Yankees out of the running for Dylan Cease. Stroman, a good pitcher, especially when he's on a lot of ground balls and all that kind of stuff. Um, That's one thing. However, Dylan Cease is a guy that, at the very least, seems able to post for you 32 times in a season. And that's not something Stroman has been able to do over the last few years of his career. So you sign Stroman, great, still in for Cease. I could see that. If you sign Blake Snell, maybe that does kind of move the Yankees down in terms of their priorities for Dylan Cease. At least that'd be my guess as to what Getz is talking about specifically there in terms of uh, tiers of potential players, uh, of potential pitchers, I should say. Now, obviously... This is um, this is an out-in-the-open thing. We've been talking about this for a long time. This is a, a known that Dylan Cease has kind of been on the market, and Chris Getz has, it sounds like, kept Dylan up to speed with everything going on. At the very least, made sure that, that Dylan knows where things are at. We've uh, continually spoken to, to, to Dylan. Uh, you know, he's got a very strong relationship with Ethan Katz, Pedro, um, and is building a relationship with Brian Bannister, one of our uh, new hires. So, um, and, and it's always been very consistent with Dylan. He's always preparing uh, for what's in front of him. Um, he, he, he's, I will say he, he's fairly unique in how he does not get distracted, and that's what makes him a special pitcher and a pitcher that uh, could pitch for, for, for any club in any city. Um, that's, that's why his value is so high. So, um, yeah, he's a human being, so you, you certainly want to treat him that way. Uh, every player deserves that respect, and we do the best I, we can to provide, um, you know, clarity and comfort as he kind of works through this process. So that's, I mean, I, I Dylan is that kind of guy. I, I, he's he's unflappable, really. I, I mean, just a, a singularly focused pitcher, and that's definitely an asset for him. And good to know that the organization is kind of. You know, been fair at least about this. It's not easy to be sure, really, on any side. Um, but when you have a player like this who's as wanted as Cease is, and as you know, potentially obvious as a trade candidate as Cease is, you like to have that dialogue go both ways. When it doesn't, things can get fairly sour. We're gonna hit the break. When we come back, a lot more from Chris Getz throughout the show. We'll get out to the phone lines. Lou, you'll lead off. Three one two three three two three seven seven six. That's the phone number. It's White Sox Weekly on ESPN 1000. We are talking White Sox. This is White Sox Weekly. If you miss the show, we put the podcast up on the ESPN Chicago app. So listen on your time. White White Sox Sox Weekly. Weekly. ESPN Chicago. Chicago's home for sports. Welcome back to White Sox Weekly. Stay out of the elements in 2024. Located on the 200 level behind home plate. The Guaranteed Rate Club offers all-inclusive food and beverage, in-seat service, and complimentary parking. Plans start at 20 games. For more information, visit whitesox.com slash GRC or call or text 312-674-1000. You can hop on the show by calling 312-332-3776. I probably shouldn't do both of those phone numbers back-to-back. Although, if you call either one, you're going to be talking White Sox baseball, so that's a good thing. Uh, welcome back to the show. Going to head up to the phone lines in just a second. Lou is on deck. Wanted to let you know of a quick note. 
given the White Sox or about the White Sox front office. Uh, Jin Wong has been added as the new assistant general manager, reporting to Chris Getz. He spent the last 24 years with the Kansas City Royals, another familiar connection for the White Sox and Chris Getz. Uh, they have had a lot of former Royals added into this whole uh, new baseball regime. Among his responsibilities, I'm just kind of reading from the press release here, among his responsibilities, Wong will oversee contract negotiations, salary arbitration, budgeting, payroll management, and compliance with MLB rules and regs, including the collective bargaining agreement. Uh, during his tenure in Kansas City's front office, Wong negotiated a number of key player contracts, including multi-year deals with Zach Greinke, Joaquin Soria, Billy Butler, Alcides Escobar, Salvador Perez uh, in 12, 17, and 22, Calvin Herrera, Eric Hosmer, Jordano Ventura, Lorenzo Cain, Alex Gordon, Mike Moustakis, and Danny Duffy. That's a lot of guys and a lot of contracts and a lot of experience uh, that Wong has in having those particular conversations with players. Uh, also of note, Jeremy Haber, who whose, whose responsibilities weren't exactly those. I, I wouldn't say it's responsibility-wise a one-for-one swap necessarily, um, but Jeremy Haber is stepping away from the White Sox, heading out to his own venture. Uh, always like talking baseball with Jeremy. Always good to see him. You know, walking around the concourse and in the ballpark and stuff. And best of luck to Jeremy with whatever is next for him. I'm sure it'll be a success. He's an incredibly smart dude. Um, so a, a new face in that White Sox organization that brings a lot of uh, experience in terms of contract negotiation. Three one two three three two three seven seven six. That's the phone number. And before we get back to some sound from Chris Getz in Des Plaines, it's uh, Lou on the phone. What's up, Lou? Yeah, thanks for taking the call. Quick question. Well, number one, I've been a season ticket holder for 10 years, and I called after the season ended, and I canceled, and I won't come back probably, and I, I just don't understand how they run things. Why? What was Chris Getz's um, job description or title before he just got hired? He was Players the farm director, Lou. He was the farm okay. director for the White Sox. So, Okay. So what did he do that was so special that he got hired as a GM. Who who did he who did he develop? I can't name three guys. I couldn't name two guys. So that's number one. And number two, Reinsdorf has lost the fan base, and I know he doesn't care because he doesn't care. So and that, those were my well, uh, Lou, those are my. I, I'm I'm sad to see Sorry. you go, man. And I I do think we'll see you back at the ballpark this summer. I would imagine. I. You're calling into White Sox Weekly, so I appreciate the attention to the team and to the show. As for Chris Getz and what he did to get himself to the, the, the GM job, what he did to prove himself, um, I would direct you to a number of conversations that people who have had talks with Chris Getz that are, that are more in-depth and more prospect-based than I've had. Uh, Keith Law, one of them. Uh, Jim Callis, another. And they've all written about Chris Getz's hiring obviously when it happens, so going back to the, the end of the season. And I think what's, you know, part of the thing that's out there, part of the, the conversation, and I get the the displeasure in the White Sox record the past two years and their ability to uh, to win ball games and, and not walk as many as they did last year, all the things. Like, it was a disappointing season last year and the year before, no doubt about it. I'm not going to tell you you shouldn't have been or you should have been happy with the results on that field. But one of the things that gets talked about a lot in those conversations with guys who know uh, prospects, guys who know talent, guys who know farm systems, is a conversation that goes a little bit like this. The farm director, right? I'm not talking about Getz specifically, but the farm director role in a lot of instances 
gets miscast some to people like idiot broadcasters like myself or or fans who who listen to us and can, we kind of get the job description wrong. So I'm actually kind of glad to rework this a little bit. The farm director takes the talent that he's been given tries to put them in the best situation to succeed and develop given the coaches and talent that they've got. Generally speaking, that's kind of how that's organized. You don't often, sometimes, but you don't often see a farm director you know, point to a draft class and go, give me this guy, give me that guy, give me this guy. That's what your director of scouting does. Mike Shirley is that director of scouting for the White Sox, and he's gotten two big-time prospects with first-round picks, Noah Schultz, the tall lefty, and Colson Montgomery, the shortstop, into the White Sox top 100 list or the MLB top 100 list here over the last two picks. And another thing, too, I think something that Chris Getz has done here, we were just talking about Jin Wong being added to the GM role, the assistant GM role, I should say. One of the things Chris Getz, I think, has done really well here over the last, we'll call it two months, of reshaping the White Sox front office and the baseball organization is bringing in people who know how this development of player works, right? In this day and age, Brian Bannister added has been lauded by every corner of baseball writer, broadcaster, and blogger as a really good addition to this White Sox front office. We talked with Brian Bannister the week after the season ended, Lou, and if you missed that interview, I highly encourage you to go back and listen to it because Bannister's got some, I mean, he's got pelts on the wall, man. He has absolutely helped reshape and retool pitchers that have gone through some tough times and get them back into uh, some top-tier performances. Bannister's one of them. Josh Barfield, another assistant general manager, comes over from the Arizona Diamondbacks. And if you don't like the Arizona Diamondbacks farm system over the last few years, I don't know what to tell you. Corbin Carroll worked out just fine. And Barfield was a big part of the creation of that farm system and the development of some of that talent. So, I think what Getz has done really well is identify what he thinks he he seems to think he's good at in, in terms of the front office thing and bring in people to help and be point men for areas that need specific and, and maybe more focused instruction, alteration, um, and, and production, right? I mean, when you look at a, a guy like Brian Bannister, he's doing a job that you wouldn't ask a general manager to do. I mean, not really, not in today's game. You're not looking at him. To the general manager, that is, to pour over pitch biometrics and, and data and then go down to the clubhouse or go down to the pitch lab, whatever you're into, and help shape the slider some. That's not today's game. That's where I think gets building out this organization's infrastructure uh, from that level means a lot and is it, going to be a quite different way um, of running the day-to-day of White Sox baseball than it really has been before. I hope that helps, Lou, because I think it's – while the disappointment of the last two seasons makes sense, and I hear you, I think it's really easy to take a look at some of the changes that have been made and just brush them off as change you're not interested in because you want to see wins on the field. Totally understand that. Dubs are key, right? You want wins. However, there's been some meaningful change in this White Sox front office, and I'll be really interested to see how that plays out in terms of player development over next season. Getting back to some of the Chris Getz audio from earlier in the week. We'll, we'll play it for you after a quick break. We're going to pick it back up with a conversation about what will happen if some of the trades that have been talked about here in rumors and elsewhere aren't done until perhaps the season starts. And we'll hear, for some, hear from Chris Getz about some of the new pitchers 
and catchers being added into the mix to help decrease the runs allowed by the White Sox here in 2024. I'm Connor McKnight. you got White Sox Weekly on ESPN 1000. This is Chicago's home for sports. On app. The ESPN Chicago app. In HD. FM 100.3 HD2. And of course on AM. ESPN 1000. This is White Sox Weekly. We're back here on White Sox Weekly. I'm Connor McKnight. Sox fans, 2024 ticket plans are available right now. Be here for the biggest matchups and exciting new promotions throughout the season. Opening day on March 28th, that's uh, that's included in this whole idea. Our ticket plans include great benefits, such as a ticket exchange program, special events, savings on single games, and more. For more information, visit whitesox.com slash 2024. We have been working our way through the Chris Getz press conference that happened late last week. I believe it was Thursday, just this past week, so just a few days ago. Um, And one of the pieces of audio that I wanted to play for you earlier in the show kind of dovetails into the Dylan Cease trade conversation um, and and really kind of the, the way it got phrased is, how does kind of the how, how does the goal of these trades? How does the return on these trades alter a little bit if you're waiting until the deadline to make them? Dylan Cease being kind of top of mind in this conversation. Well, you've got to understand, you know, the player you're you're um, you're considering, you're talking about. And I mean that from from a player that's you know wearing a White Sox uniform. What's the makeup of the player? What's the health of the player? Um, what's the the workload look like? Um, so we can kind of project into the future. Um, you know, the the there's certainly the trades in the past have set precedent, whether it be off season trades and uh, mid season trades. Th- those are certainly factors. Um, it's ever evolving though, in t- in terms of the the urgency of other clubs, and it, it might it could be in an off season, it could be at the deadline. Um, you know, it could be in May. Um, it, you know, there's there's just so many different factors when you're talking about 29 other clubs. But, um, you know, we've got a, a strong front office, a coaching staff. Um, we're regularly communicating with other clubs and, and certainly uh, collaborating uh, amongst ourselves. So utilize the resources you have to make sound decisions. Um, is it going to be perfect? Um, it, it's certainly hard to be, and I don't expect it to be, but you try to put yourself in a position to make a sound decision. You can kind of hear Getz talk about battling back and forth. Well, just the going back and forth between you know, opening a season with a guy on a roster that was talked about so often as Cease was and potentially others as more information kind of dribbles out about you know who was and who wasn't talked about from the White Sox perspective over this offseason. The White Sox have made some additions. Um, two catchers, Martin Maldonado and Max Stassi. And then three pitchers you're going to hear about here in, in this little bit from uh, Chris Getz are Tim Hill, the lefty reliever, Chris Flexen, who is ticketed for the, or scheduled, I guess you'd say, for the starting rotation, and Eric Fetty, who the same is uh, headed for the starting rotation once camp breaks. Or at least that's the, um, that's the idea for both of those pitchers. Uh, you'll hear Getz kind of batted around the field here about all five of those players. Well, there are two two catchers that have had success in this game. Um, you know, veteran types. They're 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 known for for the receiving, their game planning, their throwing, the building a rapport with our catchers. Um, going back to to wanting to build the theme of improving our defense. It starts with certainly run prevention um, and 
when it comes to run prevention. Uh, certainly the pitcher has the most control over it. Uh, I would say that the, the player on the field that has the second most control is the catcher. So both highly respected um, players within, within our game. Um, they understand what it takes to be successful at the major league level. Um, Maldonado, you know, is, is, is a recent World Series winner, um, has been on a lot of successful clubs. Um, most importantly, to have them come in together, work together um, with some of our arms and, and other teammates. We look forward to, um, you know, seeing their work, uh, work within our, our, our clubhouse. And, and I think we're going to benefit from that. And then, uh, likewise, with uh, Flexen and uh, Hill as well, just what were the thought process behind those signings as well? So w- when we go through our, our, our assessments for, for arms that we feel like are, are that can help our club, um, you know, going back to even Eric Fetty, you know, have using, you know, Brian Bannister and kind of our acquisition team, we try to identify, um, you know, some things in their arsenal um, or, or it could be a mechanic that we feel like we can bring them, bring bring those players in here, um, improve them, uh, and get them out there and be productive major league players. We both identified uh, some some low hanging fruit, so to speak, when it comes to Tim Hill and uh, um, Chris Flexen to to come here, get those guys back on track. Uh, there was an injury with Tim Hill that he he um, had taken care of this past off season, so he'll be fully healthy come spring training. And Chris Flexen, um, his pitch attack, um, some mechanical adjustments needed to be made. We're on the same page and look forward to to watching that play out. So in there too, or I guess in a little aside after that cut, gets talked about the expectation for Flexen being in or, or taking rather a, a starter's load here in 2024, having a starter's inning. Um, so that's interesting. I, that's not something that we'd expected or that I'd expect necessarily when the signing got made. Um, more on Flexen as, as we get closer and closer to spring training. Another guy that's going to be – expected to be a starter in 2024, though certainly not at the major league level right away, is Garrett Crochet. The question got asked about Garrett and where he's going to start or where he's going to be, what he's going to do in, in 24. Here's Getz. You know, the feedback on Garrett's been very positive, and he's preparing uh, this season to be, to be a starter. Um, that's something he's he's certainly has done in the past. Um you know, he's got the weapons to do so. He's had some health hiccups along the way. Physically, he's in a very good spot. Um, and, you know, at the end of the season and continue to the offseason, we've had conversations with – continue to have conversations with what the expectations are. Garrett, what, where, how do you see yourself? Well, this is, this is how we get there. Um, and, you know, he believes he can be a starter. We've seen him be a starter in the past. And so we're going to go into spring um, – prepared to stretch him out and we'll make adjustments along the way if need be. That's an so interesting you're saying one. You look at him as, are you saying you look at him as a part of the possible part of the rotation at the outset or as the season goes on, the target is to become a starter? Well, he hasn't started in, in, in a couple That's of years. Yeah. So it's going to take a little bit of time um, to, to appropriately uh, stretch him out. Um, but he, he's, we're going in with the intention for him to be a starter in 2024. So that's an interesting one for me, and it's not something that really got teased much at all prior to this press conference. The White Sox have talked about Garrett as um, as a guy they believe can be a starter for a while. It goes back to the 
to the Rick Hahn and Kenny Williams regime prior to Chris Getz taking over. Um, I will be very interested to find out once we get to spring training exactly where Garrett or, or what the velocity looks like for Crochet. We've seen it all over the place, you know, 101, 102 when he came up, of course, in that playoff run against the A's. Uh, we've seen that change. We've seen Tommy John surgery. We've seen subsequent so- shoulder injuries last year. You know, where is that velocity? We've seen a breaking pitch from him, a good slider at times, an average slider also that had stayed up some. Usually when guys come back from Tommy John, getting the feel for that breaking stuff is the thing that takes the longest. So I'm not necessarily going to say that whatever slider he was throwing last year is the one that he's got. I know there's been work on a changeup. Um, that'll be interesting. you got to have three pitches to start, or at least you know, mostly you do, unless you're Spencer Strider or something like that. You've got to have more than two, and that's going to be, you know, developing that pitch mix will be a very interesting thing to talk about with Garrett and with Ethan Katz come spring training. You would also, you know, I mean, just procedurally, I would expect Crochet needs the whole year uh, to get back into starting to take that workload, to make sure that you're not overextending him in any way and then putting 2025 at risk. So that would gain the White Sox a year of service time, you would imagine, for Crochet, uh, which allows you then to look at what, okay, you, you've got your rotation for this year and you got a couple of one-year guys or guys that might be leaving the rotation via trade at some point, who knows? Maybe Garrett Crochet, if he pushes, and produces to the level that the White Sox have expected him to for a while as a starter I mean maybe that's a guy that that helps take a spot in that rotation in 2025 given the shape of what this year looks like from here I like this move by the White Sox I like allowing this player crochet agency in the decision um, and some trust in what's been talked about for a long time his ability to be a starter in the bigs, and that's going to start next year uh, in the minors, it sounds like for sure. Uh, the the exact plan is going to be, I think, given to us a little bit later on here as we get closer and closer uh, to March, uh, rather to February, and then hopefully uh, into March when spring training goes. I'm, I'm hoping he makes some starts in White Sox spring training. I, I hope he gets a little bit of time at the big league level or in, with the big league club uh, to make some of those spring training, some Cactus League starts, and and just get to see what he's working with and how that evolution from Crochet, the power reliever, to Garrett Crochet, the starter, uh, ends up going. We'll take another quick break. We've got a lot more from Chris Getz and some news on White Sox arbitration filings. There are none. They've signed everybody, so that's a good thing. Uh, And we'll hear more from Chris Getz when we come back on ESPN 1000. Follow Chicago's Home for Sports on Twitter at ESPN1000. Welcome to White Sox Weekly on ESPN1000. 1000. 1000. You've got White Sox Weekly here on ESPN1000. Stay out of the elements in 2024. Located on the 200 level behind home plate, the Guaranteed Rate Club offers all-inclusive food and beverage in-seat service, and complimentary parking. Plans start at 20 games. For more information, visit whitesox.com slash grc 
or call or text 312-674-1000. Head down there during a Game C Serena and the crew. It's a good time and really good food at the Guaranteed Rate Club. I'll tell you, there are days during a ball game where I'll just I'll sneak down there and grab a sandwich or something like that because it's good. Uh, and you should hang out at the Guaranteed Rate Club when you go to see a White Sox game. We've got more from Chris Getz that I want to get to here before the show is over at 3 o'clock. We'll be at next week, of course, from 2 until 3 as well. But shoot, this stuff's uh, it's, it's burning a hole in my pocket, so let's go ahead and play some for you after I tell you this last little bit of news. Uh, the White Sox agreed to terms on one-year deals with each and every one of their seven players in arbitration or uh, in their arbitration years. Dylan Cease gets an $8 million deal for next year. Nicky Lopez at 4.3. Andrew Vaughn at three and a quarter. Michael Kopak at $3 million. Mike Soroka at $3 million. Tuki Toussaint, $1.3. And Garrett Crochet at eight hundred k. It rhymed. I didn't mean it to. But that puts the payroll somewhere about the $131 million mark or so, which leaves you room to sign somebody in right field. Oh, I don't know. Maybe... Somebody like Whit Merrifield, maybe, could make some sense. We shall see. Um, But we'll get to that in just a second. Because Chris Getz talked some about where the organization is at in terms of adding the arms that they have. Guys that are looking to, for a better word, uh, bounce back from be it injury or down performance or whatever weird thing here or there. Uh, He was asked how the, the infrastructure, how the baseball operations department with all the new guys that they've added into it capitalizes how they go about capitalizing on some of the flyers that they've taken on some of the pitchers they've added here's gets it starts with the education to our players so you educate them you hold them accountable um you you make sure that they're they're prepared to go out there and fight on a daily basis they got to know the pitchers that that they're facing um i i do feel like the system is going to be strong in place uh, Marcus Thames is is very experienced um, with all different types of uh, hitters, experience levels, um, his various stops. Mike Tozar has a strong connection with some of the players that are that are already in house. Uh, we've brought other others around that that are going to be part of the supporting cast uh, as well. So um, I feel pretty good about where we're headed. Are, are we where we need to be? Of course not. Um, but I, I, I do feel like we've got the makings to, to, to be more successful than we've been in the past. Kind of in a similar vein, you know, a lot of the moves that you've made so far this winter, bringing in uh, veteran players on short-term deals, you've talked about having, you know, both a short and long-term plan. How do you kind of feel that you've addressed kind of that long-term plan in what you've done so far this offseason? Well, some of the shorter, uh, shorter-term shorter deals, you know, allow you to, to – uh, Make sure that minor league players are, are developing at the right um, the right pace, so they're not asked to do something that they're perhaps not prepared to do. Um, there is an impact with uh, those veteran players to help some of those minor league players when they break into the big leagues, and then also with some of the shorter term deals, you've got guys that have the potential uh, to to perhaps get back on track and reestablish what they're they're able to do at the major league level and. You know, there, there's different ways to spin some benefits off of that, too. So um, we're looking for, for, for players that understand how to play the game, um, you know, create a, a, you know, cohesive group that, that, that enjoy getting together on a nightly basis or daily basis to go out there and win baseball games. Um, and foundationally, I feel like we're in a good spot to do that. That's Chris Getz talking just kind of about how the – 
collection of talent has been prioritized here in the offseason of 23 into 24, and I found that pretty interesting. Um, one of the last ones here, or I guess the last one that we'll play for you, we've got to be out of here in a couple of minutes, uh, is about right field. Um, the White Sox have added a lot of guys on minor league deals, non-roster invitees, Brett Phillips, Rafael Ortega, who we talked about today, added to a minor league deal. Obviously, Oscar Colas and Gavin Sheets um, and perhaps some others down in the minor leagues have a chance to battle for right field. But there's no starting plan out there in right yet. Here's Chris Getz. Uh, that hasn't been established yet. It really hasn't. Whether you know there are there are internal options. Um, you know we we we've signed some some players to NRIs. We've got some internal candidates, but um, certainly not ready to to establish um, who's going to be in right field at this point. Are you looking to add there yet, or or do you do you like the alternatives that you have right now? Yeah, we're we're looking to add. We are. So you've got some names out there. You know, we mentioned Whit Merrifield. Uh, Tommy Pham has been out there. There's, you know, going to be some names, I think, moved in trade as well. But I, I think, and we, we talked about this a little bit last week, and I think the week before, I wouldn't be surprised at all if in that deal for Dylan Cease, whether it gets done or not, or, or in the conversation that Chris is having with other GMs, that he's looking to maybe not as a headliner but definitely as another piece in the trade, acquire somebody who might be you know, on the fringe of another team's prospect list or a prospect who got hurt and didn't get his chance, passed over some. You know how these things happen. A guy who's ready for run out there in, in right field. Maybe a you know, 25, 26-year-old dude on a prospect list that's looking to get his major league playing time. I wouldn't be surprised at all if that's maybe part of how the White Sox go about solving right field for at least the beginning of 2024 uh we'll see what the uh we'll see if there are other signings or other moves or other trades that help fill out that position as well that is going to do it for us here on white Sox weekly big thanks to jack mcgrath our producer thanks for calling we'll talk to you next week right here on espn 1000 big savings on your bathroom update at menards we have everything you need to create the bathroom of your dreams with sterling tubs and showers that fit your style and your budget like the sterling ensemble medley tub and shower it's tongue and groove interlocking joints form a seamless appearance and make installation quick and easy it's durable high gloss finish provides lasting beauty get yours today for 6.99.99 big buys big savings right now at menards price is good through january 14th save big money at menards Welcome to the new era of the Chicago Bears on your new home of the Bears. ESPN Chicago, WMVP, WSHE, AD1.